subatomic gigantic occasion was a sweep in Japan nation when along came a dude with an ultra attitude, a common Morado, the greatest kicker of Japan. End of all, man. Last you short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. Except this time we have a bonus episode. So Rex could not join us, unfortunately, due to, you know, a little thing called time zones. But I got to interview two lovely individuals doing their dreams. I got to interview Matthew Blair and Frankie B. Washington on their upcoming issue two of their comic book, Kaijus vs. Cowboys. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview. It was a lot of fun to talk with them. And I hope that by the time this comes out, they have already successfully continued their Kickstarter and only get more luckier and more successful with their work. Because let me tell you something, they have worked extremely hard and have created some remarkable stuff. So without further ado, I'm going to let my past self take it away. Welcome, everybody, back to a brand new bonus episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah. Rex cannot join me right now as he is currently sleeping. Gotta love time zones. But today, I got a very exciting bonus episode. So today, I have two guests with me to talk about their upcoming issue of their comic book they're creating. So this is where I'm going to go ahead and open the floor for Matt and Frankie to introduce themselves and let you guys know who are listening, who they are, and what they do. So we're going to open up the floor here. Whoever wants to go first, go for it. I'll just say this. They have a lot to talk about. We've yes. been sitting here for like yes. 30 well, minutes. I, I plan on dragging some ears. <laughs> so and he will let's, let's, ears. <laughs> Give me those let's ears. just go for it. Let's go for it. All right. You want to go first, Frankie, or should, uh, sure, sure, should why I? Why not? Hey, what's All going right. on, everybody? Um, I'm Frankie B. I'm the one half of the Kajus and Cowboy team. Uh, I am the artist and co-creator of Kajus and Cowboys. And um, I love drawing robots, and I love illustrating Kajus. And I love the Bronze Age comics. There you go. All right. Uh, hey, everyone. My name's Matthew Blair. Uh, you can just call me Matt. Um, I'm relatively new to the comic book world and the comic book scene but i've always loved like epic stories myths legends you know nice. history all that's all that sort of stuff and uh i'm the writer and co-creator of kaijus and cowboys yeah. uh, i'm i've been working with frankie on other stuff for about what six Ooh. years Ooh, yeah we might be kicking into the seventh year mark i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah a long time and, yeah, I know. Uh, it's like a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Frankie's all, already married, so sorry, guys. I know. Uh, I know. Oh. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I've been working with Frankie, and, uh, you know, Frankie is the kind of guy that inspires you to think of uh think and strive towards better things yes. and so uh you know i i you know 
we were talking one day about, you know, something we had done. And then, uh, you know, out of the blue, I suddenly thought, hey, Frankie, uh, you like kaiju a lot. Um, Why don't we write a kaiju story? And, you know, I what if we had, uh, you know, a, a, a robot who was dressed in a cowboy outfit and was wandering the wastelands wearing a cowboy hat and a duster. And uh, Frankie got back to me and said, I absolutely love that. And out of that came everything. Like literally that was it. Um, So like those were the only two design notes I ever gave and everything after that is Frankie. Um, So yeah, uh, that that's me. Uh, newcomer to relative newcomer to comics, but happy to be here and you know just love creating and love writing. So, so before we dive in, because I'm sure there's a lot we can dive in on this 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 comic. I'm just out of just curious. Um, what is your guys's favorite comics? Oof. All right. Well, I'll say for me, right off the bat, the bat, the one that did it for me was Shogun Warriors. The Children Warriors and Godzilla by Marvel Comics. And it was done by the team of Doug Munich. I hope I'm saying his, his name, his last name right. Doug Munich, Munich and Herb Trimpey, who I called my dad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, God rest his soul. He passed away, but I did get a chance to meet him, let him know how um, that comic inspired me. Actually, 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 this is a picture that I have with him at, at, one, of his, at one of the final shows. I don't know if you can see it. But uh, I was able to do a piece of art for him and stuff. But he, the work that they did on the Shogun Warriors was so, I don't know, it was just so powerful for me because I, you know, my very first book was a Spider-Man, but I always loved giant monsters, um, King Kong, and, and even like the, the 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 American kajus or the giant monsters of the fifties and stuff. But something about uh, the, the Japanese kajus and the fact of how fantastical they were and their abilities and things like that really fascinated me and then also the idea of giant robots something about you you know you're a regular human being but then somehow you could climb into this giant um automaton and then you you know this and this automaton is becomes almost like an extension of yourself and then you can battle against you know the evil uh, genius or alien forces from space or whatever against their giant creatures and whatever. I just, that stuff really fascinated me. And so um, when I saw the Shogun Warriors in, 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 uh, in Godzilla comics, I just was like, wow, Marvel Comics is doing this. Um, and maybe there's a place. Maybe if um, if I worked hard enough and, and uh, you know, whatever, perfected my skills and whatever, then maybe I, one day I could work at Marvel and do something as cool as, as what I was seeing there. So those would be the two comic books that really influenced me. Yeah. Uh, so my story is a little bit different. Um, like when I was uh, growing up as a kid, I'm, I'm not going to say I was sheltered, uh, but we didn't have cable uh, television. And uh, I was raised by two parents who were big believers in the power of books, uh, mm. not comics, books. Um, <laughs> And so, nice. uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to say I was elitist, but I was, you know, I, I did grow up to be a little bit of a snob. Uh, but when I was in late middle school, early high school, I remember uh, I was on, we were on a field trip and we were staying overnight at a hotel. And I turned on the television and I saw an episode of Justice League Unlimited. 
Oh um, wow! So that wow. yeah, that should okay. that should give you a time frame of what we're of. Wow. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, and I saw that, and I was like, oh, 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 this is good. I like this uh, because, wow. like, you know, I, I grew up on um, Greek mythology, you know, mm-hmm. Roman history, that sort of thing. Yep. And I saw that, and I was like, okay, so comic books, cartoons, and superheroes can be done in a mature and respectful way and like you know oh this 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 really doesn't look like it really should be for kids but like you know good children good children's uh entertainment is just as much for adults as it is for kids as i have now learned so um, i'm just curious and, matt matt so, matt so you yeah. never saw the batman show you never saw the batman animated or superman oh so i mean that came, that came later that came later i mean i also i also had an aunt who like the same aunt that got me hooked on greek mythology also gave yep. me like a tome of like old batman stories so oh, wow. like you know okay. i like right. i like those um okay, cool. but yeah um but at like you know m- most people you know grow up reading comics and then sort of fall off and then maybe rediscover it. I was the exact opposite. Like as I grew up, I started discovering comics, which uh, leads me to what my favorite comics are. Uh, A lot of vertigo. Like I discovered vertigo. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is great. So like, you know, Sandman, Alan Moore, Swamp Thing. Uh, Black Orchid. a little, little before my time. I think I have a few of them. A little I think before I have a few my black orchids. <laughs> but uh, and then like my my favorite era of comics is like early 2000, 2010s image and late mm. era Vertigo. So okay. like um, Brian Wood wrote a series called DMZ, which is absolutely yep. fantastic, and I like I I still read that. Um, Adam Warren, uh, it's, it's not, yeah. uh, you know, not Image, but Empowered is like one of my favorite superhero yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah, I think I have a few, I think I have a couple of those of Empowered. Yep. Uh, yeah, I and love Neil, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, John Lehman's Chew. It's it's hilarious. Never read that. I've heard about. Oh, that. all right, all right, I have to check it out. Yeah, I'll get like it. the 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 premise is that like it's it's a cop who has the power to learn about something when he eats it. Yes. Yes. So as you might imagine, as a cop, it gets really gross really quick. Yeah. Uh, but there's also like the like the uh, a mystery like a, a mysterious bird flu kills millions of people. Uh, oh, okay. Now bear in mind this is early two thousand uh, early yeah. two thousand ten, so you know not topical yet. Yeah. But uh, it, it it's hilarious. Um, and so yeah, that that inspired me to you know come up with my own stuff and create it, which is how I met Frankie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Vertigo and two thousands, two thousand tens image. That's some image great books. stuff. Yeah. That's some great stuff, man. I mean, you know, she's invincible. I mean, I still. Oh yeah. I still got to get invincible. Walking Dead. I did get. I did finish all the Walking Dead. I think I still have a lot of Walking Deads. But uh, Saga. Yeah. Ooh. Saga. Hell, Saga. Good. Yeah. All right, see, see, God, I, I need more room. <laughs> all, all the books and none of the time. I know, it's, I know. It's, it's the great I tragedy. I got a huge stack of stuff I got to read. Yeah, and it's still just I, I slowly get through them. We will read it though. We're getting yeah. to it. Yeah. The funny part is, like, do you find yourself rereading the our comics? Like, do you do you go like I find like I finish it and then I kind of put it down. And then I'm like, okay. And then I, I, I sort of go from the scripts and start working on it. But 
I don't I don't think I've really gone back to read it. It's so weird. I mean I I, I don't I don't know. Uh, you, uh, like our comic our comics specifically? Yeah, like the Codgers and Cowboys. Have you gone back and sort of reread or just I mean the relationship between a writer and his work is slightly different than an artist, uh, slightly yeah. different. But like, I mean, I, I think about it all the time. Like, yeah. I, like the 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 job I work work at. Um, like, I'm on my feet like twelve hours a, a day, and like you know, it's Ooh. constant repetitive motion. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, it's very easy for your mind to wander and start to think, and like. Sure. The, the the process of creation and like the process of like you know thinking a storytelling problem through um like this is going to sound really dramatic but it 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 kept me sane it like it yeah, keeps me I sane get it. In, in, I totally the, get it man yeah in right the face on. of just right mind meltingly awful monotony but sure. like you know i like you know it's where i come up with some of my best ideas so you know that's that's how it is my my art is therapy as well i i told people that all the time i go they have, they always talk to my, my wife's name is Jessica and then they'll go, wait, Frank, they, they, she's, she's like, people are asking, they'd be like, well, does he ever get angry? And she goes, yeah, he gets angry. And, and, and my anger is not like how I used to be. Like when I would, you know, cause I, I grew up in Boston. Um, I, I guess the hood <laughs> back in the day, grew up in the projects and stuff like that. So I had a very, I had a hard life in some degree. And, um, my escapism was my art. I think that's the, th that's the thing about it was like monsters to me. Um, they weren't as scary, scary things. Like I love the Wolfman, I love werewolves, you know, and stuff like that. And I think that, in a certain degree, that sense of being able to unleash this rage, but then also to pull it back in and then be normal a little bit. I, that's what I was always in that kind of mindset. Like when I was younger, I was like, oh, I just want to, you know, just you know, you just go off. I was very short-tempered and stuff. Uh, saw some therapy, got some therapy and stuff, which was good for me. But I, but one of the things the therapist sort of walked me through the process was he said, well, Frank, what are the things you like doing? And I said, well, back in the day, I would hang with my friends, ride my bike. I love going outdoors, getting out there to free my mind. But then he said, well, what else? And I said, drawing. And he said, there you go. And I said, there's what? He said, drawing. He said, that's your therapy. He said, you, you're able, he said, anytime you feel that, that, that whatever that is, that's, that's gripping you, put it on paper, put it down there so you can see it. And I think if you look at the way um, even today, even to, um, today, when you look at um, even in Codgers and Cowboys, the way the the action scenes and how I show like the monsters and how uh, the Bwin, the you know our hero is fighting them, it's pretty intense. Um, not in a sense of glory, because I've never been a person who's into gore. Like I've I've seen gore and I've seen some serious stuff and whatever, but I've never been a person who wanted to do that kind of stuff. I, I'm I'm more into the the, the framework of. I loved how the 1940s, 1950s filming, I guess 1940s, the more black and white filming where they didn't show, you knew that there was violence, but they didn't have to show the intense. I love the stuff like off the shadows and you know things like that. So the intensity of, uh, of combat. So I, that's what I kind of look at when I'm drawing. So that's where I'm able to put that, that sort of therapeutic feeling when I'm, um, you know, when I'm drawing these characters and things like that. So yeah. Incidentally, uh, for anyone who does not know who's listening to this, B-Win stands for Bot With No Name. Yes. Which is yes. what uh, the main character stands for. Uh, there the main you go. character, we, we've called him. Uh, he doesn't speak. So, like, you know, Clint Eastwood and, like, you know, all those old spaghetti westerns were 
a uh, huge influence on the story yeah. and the characters. So I got into a great conversation you, you know, with somebody. Know. Well, what I'm loving is like I had somebody, and this was a while ago, but they contacted me online. And they were talking. They said, "Oh, it's a great character," and I was like, "Yeah, thanks." And they were like, "Yeah, um, what's the name?" And I said, "Well, Bwin." And he's and I said, "Bought with no name." And he said, "Yeah, that's cool, but he should have a name." <laughs> and I said. Well, that's his name. You know, this is his name that he's going by now. But I, I said, I, I agree with you in a certain degree. I think that that's a you bring up a good point. And maybe that's something down the line. You know, we'll, we'll figure that out. But we have to first go through the journey. And right now, the mystery about what his name is and who he is and can he talk and all that stuff. That's that's the fun stuff. That's the fun stuff where the reader gets to, you know, go through it and, and then see where it, it, it leads off to. So. And it does but lead I, but I love a that lot, stuff. but I'm not going to spoil, yeah, but, but, you know. But I love those engagements. I think that, to me, is, is what it's about with comic books, is the fact that um, somebody took the time to even engage you about something that you've created, that you put your passion and, the, you know, your thoughts and those waking hours and all that stuff, and then somebody comes and they actually have a conversation with you about it. They're like, yeah, you know, by the way, why does this character do this? And I, I love that stuff. And that's what I'm hoping um, can sort of happen as we go along, you know. Again, this is all about a volume game. So it's about, you know, once we get more more issues out and stuff like that and people start really getting into it, I, I'm like, man, it's, it's going to be an amazing thing. Oh, yeah. I love that. So before we get too, too far in, what is the comic? For anybody that doesn't know who's listening, what is the comic? All right, Matt. All right. <laughs> so. so there you go. The basic premise of the comic is that for reasons that are not immediately revealed but will be uh, in future issues, uh, humankind, humanity has to leave Earth. And so they pack what's left into a giant sort of arc ship and head out to the stars. And... uh, the, the, the ship is run by this all-knowing, all-present, uh, all-powerful artificial intelligence that we've labeled Father Mind. Um, and Father Mind finds a planet that is uh, habitable and is suitable for human life. Uh, but instead of waking everyone up, it decides to do what a lot of modern scientists do and just send a team of robots down to like, you know, check things out, build things out, make sure that, you know, the planet is ready for human habitation. So that that's, that's going along. Um, but unfortunately uh, the, uh, while the planet is habit- habitable for human life, it is also home to some very large and very angry creatures that are not appreciative of these robots uh, who have landed on their home and are, you know, changing, uh, and, you know, ripping down the trees, you know, tearing up the land and putting these ugly buildings where they don't belong. Nice. So the uh, so the planet reacts. It's hostile to these robots, and so Father Mind decides to create, you know, robot warriors to fight the monsters. Yeah. Uh, hence uh, the entire premise of the comic. And so, um, so, so like the first six issues of the book, it's, it's basically one prolonged action scene. Um, like there, there's, you know, there, there's some world building there, there's, you know, characters, you know, establishing and building out character relationships. 
and it culminates in issue six with something that is big and massive yeah. and like you're you're gonna like you're gonna like yeah. it. uh like i i did specifically request uh, that Frankie like you know pull out all the stops on this one. Uh, the next six issues are a little more cerebral, like we're you know we're building out you know the mystery as to like you know what's really going on behind the scenes, you know what's really at stake here. How does you know everyone really feel about all of this? So yeah, uh, that that that's the premise. There's there's a uh, you know humans need a new home. Uh, there are giant monsters in the way. Send robots to kill them. Yep, which and, is which yeah. is great. I mean, it's a simple. I think I think that's one of the things about it. It's um, it's almost like the old school Jack Kirby, and 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 um and, and Stan Lee and and those guys when they did stories. It's a simplistic. It's something that you can just wrap your mind around. Well, you just go, yeah. It's like arc. Uh, you know, guys going to a planet. <laughs> you go down. You know, there's a lot of stuff in it. I, I like immediately when you're talking. Which I didn't think before. I'm thinking of how from 2001: A Space Odyssey, you know, and I, I immediately I don't know why that popped in my head. But then also the um, Starship Troopers, and it's like it's all these great little things that already exist. But but we have our own unique take on it. And but I but oh. one thought one thought I think it's going to be special is, and I think even for myself because I think that I, I try to explain to people. I said that when Matt Matt sent me a overview of where he wanted to take the story. And that was like way back in what 2020? 2020? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was pretty. Like, the, so the, I haven't the, even looked. Like, yeah, yeah, it I haven't looked at it. I haven't out. looked at it. You know, I kind of put it. I, I looked at it when it, when I had it, and then I put it away. Because in a certain part of me is that I, I I feel like that when you send me stuff, it's it's fresh and new. It's like because I know in my head I'm like things are gonna change. I know that he's gonna probably have some kind of brain. Like something's gonna another fusion of thoughts gonna come in. Something may be different. And 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 even though he had the template, he's building. He's building something that's going to be unique, and sometimes it's going to be tweaked. So I kind of like that that sort of nuance of just that newness when he sends it to me. And I go, oh my god, what's this? Like, wow, this character, such and such. And then I build off of that. I think that's that great synergy in there of our, oh, of our thanks, creative man. process. No, I love it. I do. I think I think it's a great, it's a wonderful thing. I try to imagine like, was that how Stanley and Jack Kirby were? You know what, Stan? Because you know, this Stanley writes some some plot or whatever, and said, "Here you go, Jack." And then Jack sit there and go, or and, and he'll start drawing, and he'll write notes or whatever. And then Stanley looks at it and goes, "Oh, okay, all right." But I almost wonder if that if that was the old school Marvel way of doing stuff, where you just kind of bounce off. You got you got two creative uh, two people with two different kind of creative kind of um, perspectives, but they're but they're meeting in the middle to to forge something really unique and different. Maybe well. It, well, you know? if, if it is similar to what Lee and Kirby did, uh, it's definitely done with a lot less alcohol and a lot less tobacco. Oh, most definitely. So, you know. <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> so the when the fact that you brought up uh, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee is great because mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, how does your both of your backgrounds, because both of you have done different things, how does your backgrounds, how did they help create what you've, created oh, how, how did that how did that background help you guys well i mean right. i uh, you want y'all okay um i've been doing this man uh geez 30 years 30 plus years in the art industry i first went into um well i mean during the time of the 80s i graduated in 88 um when i was in high school at the time i lived in boston i grew up in boston actually and um 
during that time, there was a lot of great programs. Um, I, first off, I was very fortunate in the sense that once I got to high school, I had a lot of mentors, uh, people who just I don't really cared about me. They came, you know, I was I was a bad kid in school. I was more of a I always joke. I said I was like Loki, you know, I, I was a kid who cracked jokes. I just didn't get caught, you know. And um, but I had friends, and I would joke, but I did my homework, you know. Where some of my friends would just like, you know, they would do, they would joke around, but they wouldn't do their homework, that kind of stuff, and they would get get in trouble. And where I, whereas I would do my homework, but then also my teachers would catch me and they'd be like, well, Frank, you know, you, you got this, you got potential, but you got to stop goofing off kind of. And I was like, all right, all right, whatever. That kind of, you know, because you're young, you think you know everything. So, but still these teachers um, cared about me, you know? And I remember one teacher who was a history teacher, like Matt talks about history. Um, I, 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 I wish I could, I could see his image. Like I, I suck with names, but visually in my mind, I could sort of see his face and stuff. And I remember when I was having trouble with history and, um, and he came to me and he said, he said, well, Frank, he said, you like comic books. And I said, yeah. And just like that, I was just like, yeah, I was not even looking at him. Just kind of like a kid, you know, whatever. And he was like, uh, he said, well, you know, you know, Odysseus and the Argonauts and all that stuff. He started talking about this Greek mythology and he said, you know, there's monsters in there. I said, really? And he said, yeah. And he said, those are comic books. And I said, no, sir. And he said, no, really. And he and he started laying it out to me. And I was like, wow, these amazing stories were like were like comic books. They 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 were they were these massive stories, these adventures and stuff like that. And then it pulled me into history. So he was one teacher. And then there was other teachers like science and, and English and things like that. Um so while I was going on, when I got into high school, they, they were like, well, you know, we see that you love drawing. So we're going to try to put you in a program. And they put me into this program called um, ORC at the time. It's called Occupational Resource Center. And what it was was like for kids who would go to um, what, half day at this place and then the rest of the half day you go back to your home school. So I would go to this place, say, like in the morning, and, um, and it focused on illustration. And then also they had broadcasting and all kind of other stuff. And it was a massive building. And I remember going there, I did illustration. I was like, oh, it's fascinating. Then they were like, oh, guess what? There's a Saturday, some Saturday morning programs at Mass Art. Um, do you want it? Do you want it? And I said, yeah, sure. I would just take stuff. It was a time when schools and, and the district and stuff, they had this money and they were trying to help kids sort of find their way as they were about to go into the, the real, they're going to the real world once you graduate high school. And I took advantage of a lot of these programs and eventually I ended up getting a scholarship and uh and it blew my mind because i was like wow i actually got a scholarship and they said well okay go find yourself a school you want to go to and so next thing i know I, I i checked a few schools i went to architectural school hated i was like i'm not an architect and um i didn't want to go to mass art um i just was like ah, that's not my thing and then i remember getting uh a notice from um it was earlier on for um joe kubrick the joe kubrick school was like hey we heard about your kid you know would you like to come down and um, be here and stuff? And it was in New Jersey. And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> because I was afraid. I was like, I didn't want to leave Massachusetts. I didn't want to, you know, I was like, I don't know anybody down there. I don't want to go. So they were like, okay, well, there's there's another school, Frank. And I said, okay, what's this other school? And they said, it's called the Viterra School of Art, very small school um, on Beacon Street. You want to go check it out? I said, sure, whatever. You know, so I went there. And that school, I remember they were straightforward. They were like, well, they said, well, we looked, they looked at my stuff. I did some still life, but I also had combo pages. And they said, well, kid, we want to be honest with you. This isn't a school for starving artists. <laughs> and I was like, wow. They were like, you, we're going to show you how to make money as an artist. 
they were like you we we don't we don't teach people to starve if you want to starve then you can go to some of those other schools you want to whatever and such and such but if you want to make money and make a living and a career then here we are and i was like yeah i want to make money i want to make money and i want to be able to survive i mean you know i was young you know and that's the whole thing my whole point was like i i want a career i want to be able to you know prove that i can do this thing and and have something because you know i was like what else you know the only other option for me was probably security guard i was a security guy I put myself through school and i was a really good security guard i mean my my captain loved me he was like well frank the next level would be armed and all that stuff and who knows where i would have went with that but they also knew that i was very passionate about my art so i went to the three-year school and it changed me it changed my whole perspective on just a lot of different things and i just was like man i want to make something of myself um, I want to learn as much as I can. I think that was my big thing. So when I left art school, I wasn't in the comic books anymore. I was just like, I want to grow as an artist um, because they had opened up this map, this vast door. They said, well, comic books is cool, but here's the art industry. <laughs> and they were like, think of the art industry as an ocean. And comic books are like a river that connects to the ocean or like storyboards. You want to be a, you want to be storyboard artist? then that's that's a river that's a river right there and then you want to work in toys you want to draw toys yeah that's another river you want to work in an auto plant designing cars that's another so it was like you had the art industry as this vast ocean but then you had all these different avenues of different places and so i was like well i want to i want an eclectic portfolio i want to be able to have the ability to do to work with various different you know people so i can learn and then you know learn as much as i can so you know, it was like maybe three years after I graduated, and literally three years after, um, an opportunity came where I was able to work uh, to, to actually get paid doing some some artwork. And it was for a um, production company, a movie production company. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I jumped on it part-time, and then eventually I moved on full-time. And then I worked on two films, got storyboard credit in the films. Uh, one film was called Next Stop Wonderland, and the other one, I think Brad Bird directed it. It was early Brad Bird. It might be. I, I could be wrong. But uh, and then the other one was Squeeze, a movie that was filmed in Dorchester. And um, yeah, I, I got screen credit on that. And then from there, I just started bouncing around. I, I, I worked for an animation studio, freelance, did uh, storyboards, concept art. And then from there, um, things got a little rough for me. So then I was like, I got to make money. I was really like, I, I got to survive. And so a friend of mine said, hey, what about advertising? And, and I was very nervous while advertising. I tried to hold off from it, but then I said, screw it, I need money. Went into advertising and it was it was an eye opener. It's like, I don't know if you ever watched Mad Men. <laughs> Great show. But ad agencies are probably like, I consider ad agencies like the pinnacle of like a fun artist in the field because you can make a lot of money. You can make a lot of money, um, but you gotta have a certain, you know, toughness about yourself, like your deadlines. Um, you're dealing with a lot of different creatives. I mean, when I say creative people, I'm talking about uh, copywriters who will just blow your mind away, like the concepts and ideas that they go through. I've sat in meetings, million dollar accounts, where they're just talking about how ways in which they can sell the people. And it's it's mind blowing. You know, I don't think people ever take a time to even like, when I look at TV commercials, I'm dissecting them apart. I'm breaking everything apart in my brain. So when when, working in that element it was an incredible time and i learned so much i learned discipline that was a big thing i learned a lot of discipline i learned patience i learned um about production about valuing that 
And then also the sense of um, the value of myself as an artist. That's another big thing for creative folks, just finding that value in yourself. Because, you know, what we do, people look at that and they go, really, you get paid to draw? Or really, you get paid to write? You know, but you got to, once you find the value, you go, well, I, what I'm bringing is very important. <laughs> you know, and I think that's what my teachers were always teaching me. One of my teachers took me on a walk. I never forget it when I was at my lowest in art school. And he said, Frank, took me up Beacon Street. And he said, and my head was down and I was really, I was really considering dropping out. And he said, Frank, um, who, what's that sign down there? I said, that's the cheers sign. It's cheers, the bar. And he said, who do you think did that? And I said, I don't know. He said, an artist. I said, okay. He said, see these brownstone buildings? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, who do you think did those? I said, I don't know. He said, an architect, an artist. He said, the Boston, he said, the public gardens are right over there. Takes a landscaper to make those flowers really pretty, don't you think? And I said, yeah. He said, an artist. He said, the clothes on your back was done by an artist. He said, the buildings, someone had to draw it out. He said, he said, you know, he said, the visual, the clothing, the designs, the movies you watch, the TV shows, everything you see is done by an artist. He said, never, ever let anyone tell you otherwise. He said, you got to understand that's the value. Of we bring a lot to the table. Don't accept anything less. And that was a start. And he was he wasn't the only one. There were other mentors. Don't he said, don't be arrogant. He said, don't be arrogant about it. Know your work. And from that point, I said, yeah, I know my work. I know what I what I bring to the table. And, you know, and I'm going to give 200 percent. Now, if you're going to take care of me, <laughs> then we can work together. So I think that so I think those qualities all help to bring me up to this point. I know I got a little long winded there, but, you know, it. it it just helped me. It brings that sort of that sense of like discipline and stuff, which you need with comic books. I think the thing about it is that um, I see a lot of people dreaming about doing comic books, and I think it's a wonderful dream. But you got to understand that this is work. Um, it is, and it could be hard work, from from the writer um, to, to you know to the artist to concepting the conception, uh, conceptualizing the idea, the structure and the story. You have writers sometimes who are also doing stuff in the production as well, adding into it. It's it's a, it's a massive process, it's a massive machine. You have to if you if you're passionate enough, you can make incredible magic. But you got to understand it is a job. So yeah. I have heard this a dozen times, and it never yeah. gets boring. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I I want to be able. I, I talked to Jess, and I said, Jess, you know, I said many of us out here. I think a lot of people are kind of searched because they, they go, well, what can we leave the world? Because I guess as I'm getting older, you start looking at your own mor mor uh, mortality and stuff, and you go, what am I going to leave the world? And I think that people sometimes think it's going to be something grandiose. And maybe not. I mean, when I met Herb Trimpey, he was like, I, and I met him a few times, but when I, I looked, at, looked at him, looked into his eyes, this man's eyes, and told him how the impact of what it was. A comic book. <laughs> He was, he just looked at me and he was like, yeah, I, you know, I did this, I did this job, you know, he's like, I did this job and, you know, and I, you know, such and such. And I was like, wow, he was very humble about it. He was just like, yeah, you know, I did a job and I drew it. And he's like, I'm glad you liked it. And I'm glad it did this for you. He impacted me and I'm sure I'm not the only one that he impacted. Those are the kind of things that we do. I feel strongly that somebody, be it a child or someone a little older, whatever, going to look at this and they're going to read this and then they may get impacted. They may feel that fire inside them to do something, be it write their own story or draw 
their own their own thing. That's that's what I I can hope for. Yeah, and now <laughs> drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that's very. Uh, I was I was doing one of my uh, kaiju conversation live live streams, yep. and we we went down that rabbit hole of like art is, is everything. And yes, it is. You have to you have to take a step back and yeah. it, it's you almost have to leave your body and like yep. look at the world from a third person point of view. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and when you do that, like your your mind can if you can successfully do that, you, your creativity and your mind can is endless. Like you at that point you have reached like this next level of, of creativity yeah. and you can you can draw the most amazing things you can write the most amazing things you yeah can there's a, a yeah th 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 there's a wonderful quote from c.s lewis that i have made a point to memorize um i'm gonna paraphrase it a little bit but he's talking right. about um originality mm -hmm. uh and the quote goes uh something something along the lines of like even in art and literature, anyone who attempts to be original shall never be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth without giving you two pence of, of whether or not nice. it's been told before, I you will it. stumble upon being original nine times yes. out of ten and never. Yes. So, yes. you know, that's uh, yeah. I'll but. never forget one of my mentors once told me also, because I was again at that stage in my life in my 20s and he said, he said, Frank, you know what? He said, people always run around and they worry about people stealing stuff from them. And I said, yeah, you know? And he was like, he said, but here's the thing. They can't steal you. He said, you could, he said, the thing about it, they could try and steal, like somebody could try, could try to do their own version of Codgers and Cowboys. Oh yeah, Fine. yeah. But it's not gonna be Codgers and Cowboys. It's almost, you know, and that was his point. He was like, you, are the you are you me and me and Matt are the energy that creates this, and that's what makes that special. It's like oh, when yeah. I saw I, people who like when people try to do Kirby. When I see people try to do Kirby or even try to emulate, it's like yeah, you, you, you're attempting to do something, but you're not Kirby. You can never be Kirby. No, I can't be Kirby. You know, I can't. You know, I can't be Herb Trimpey. I can be me. You know, and I I always found that that was so profound. It really changed a lot of my. I was like, wow, man. I said, yeah. He's like, yeah. He said, he said, don't worry about it. He said, the thing about it, they're gonna exist. There's always gonna be people out there who exist who are gonna try to take for whatever reason. You know, I don't even try to think, try to even get into why they do what they do. But there's people who are gonna try to take stuff because they go, wow, I saw it. I'm gonna whatever and and such and such. Fine. Mm -hmm. The thing about it is I know that I'm creating something that that's true and passionate and I'm not changing on that. And that's what people are going to be investing into. They're oh, not yeah. going to be I, investing into the carbon copy. Yeah. I, I think, I think uh, every creative person or person who wants to be creative uh, has a period in their, it's usually in the early career where they're like, sure. Oh, these are my ideas. I can't exactly. share them with, with anyone. And like, yep. I know this because that was me like yeah, yeah. for yeah. a pretty long time. <laughs> but then like, then I realized, you know, I, if, you know, 
if someone tries to steal my idea, like, yeah, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll do it, but it won't be the same thing that, you know, I create, or it won't be the same thing Frankie creates. Yeah. Like, you know, if I, if I, uh, I, I'm not saying I'm going to do this. If if I went to another artist and gave them the same script, it would not look the same. It wouldn't like, you know, the layouts would be different. It would be different. So now, now it's like, you know, Oh yeah. You know, I've got this, this is, this is how it happens. This is what's going to, this is where it's going to go. I've also got this idea. It's going to mix with this and this and this. And so it's like, you know, okay. It's like, it, it, not only is it okay to, you know, take take inspiration which yep. you know which is what they say these days uh from yeah. other people's ideas but like please please do like you know yeah. it, if you pick up a copy of kaijus and cowboys and you read it and you're inspired to create something that is yeah. the greatest honor like i can possibly think of hey, and i just uh, want to like, put it out there we love fan art and that's yes actually, sweet lord yes actually what actually we'll do it right here uh matt have you thought about doing like a? Should you think we should do like a? Remember how Marvel used to have the um, write-in, like the newsletter, like people could write in or something. Do you think we should create one? I mean, isn't that what Twitter's for? Well, I mean, like in the comic books. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean, yeah. just in a, just as a homage to the old Bronze Age style of like people sending stuff in and whatever. I mean, I mean, yeah. they, they don't have to physically send it to you. They would have they could email it to you, like an image yeah. or whatever, like the drawings and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I put him I, on the spot. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, right. we could we could set up we could set up a. Uh, I mean, I, I've been trying. I've been meaning to set up a website for the book for ages. So you know, yeah. I mean, that'd be the that'd be yeah. the fire that would you know get this get this thing going. Um, I think that's the, yeah, that's the fun. I think that's one of the things I kind of miss with comic books was that Stan Lee. Um, and just the other people too. They made it so much fun. Like if I was to open up one of the old books, you would see like the Marvel, the Mighty Marvelets. Uh, Marvel. It was like this weird experience. Like it wasn't like you just picked up a book, and you just was like, "Oh, okay, I'm just gonna pick up this book," and you kind of whatever. It was like you were being transported into the Marvel world. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm harping on Marvel because I felt that that Stanley was the epitome of that. We don't have a Stanley anymore. But Stanley was Yet. the epitome of the of the of, uh, yeah of the comic book industry. That whole ideal of just like fun. It was it really the the the, end, the the bottom line of it, the foundation of it was fun. You could tell all these fantastic stories, and these stories all had like un, an underlying messages in it, which was fantastic. I don't you know they weren't heavy handed. There was like some cool messages in there, but it was a, but it was about fun and about the fact of um, people enjoying the fact of being comic book readers you know when when comic book reading was was almost shunned at one point as looked down upon almost it, wasn't it absolutely as, was, was. It, it, my yeah, god it wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't i mean you're thinking about when the mcu first came out and it kind of has become mainstream but i mean there was a point where it was kind of like that was a thing you were these little it was this thing where only a few certain people were into it and stuff. Not few, but you know, you know what I mean. Like groups of people who were kind of into it and whatever. It wasn't like fewer this- people then than are now. <laughs> like I mean, exactly. the, the MCU has basically turned all of us into like mid-level Marvel fans. Like if well, if, if you would ask me in two thousand seven who the Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy were, I'd be like, who? What? Yeah, now? but the downside <laughs> is that unfortunately, many of those people going to those movies aren't getting books. Yeah. They're not reading the comic books. That's the downside of it. And that's that's the, the struggle, the frustration, because it was funny. I, there's a person on um, Twitter 
I can't think of his name, but he's been posting a lot of old school like videos from like the comic book errors and stuff. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. But he posted one that was really cool where it showed like an old TV commercial of G.I. Joe, a G.I. Joe comic book. Like it starts off as a cartoon. You go, oh my God, is this a, a, you know, one of the episodes? And you go, no, it immediately turns into a G.I. And I remember seeing the ad on TV where it turned into an actual comic books were, were ads on TVs where they, they actually did for comic books. So I'm like, why don't we see that anymore? These are the things that brought in those new young readers because they saw it. They was right there in their face and they're like, oh my God, I just saw it on TV. Now I gotta get a comic book. But we don't see that. We see video games. I mean, man, you can see. I've, I've seen some video games. I've sat down on streaming, and all of a sudden, I'm watching a show, and all of a sudden, I see the most elaborate video game commercial ever. I'm thinking it's a movie. And I go, wow. <laughs> you know, like, that. I mean, that that's what comic books. We need that again, you know? And I'm hoping that yeah. that may be the start of it. I'm hoping that down the line that that's the start of it, where we bring back the fun of comic books, the fun of collecting comic books, the fun of reading comic books, enjoying them. Um, you know, that's my dream. We're getting there. We're getting there. One so, book at a time. <laughs> speaking of getting there, what's when, when, when creating, and you can either go issue by issue or if you want to talk broad, like big picture thing you can, but what is like, what's the timeline look like for a project like this? Oh, I mean, big. I, I'm I'm a big picture kind of guy. Like like yes, you know, yes. I, yeah. I, I I was a history major in college, and so like you know, talking about you know Greek myths and legends and history, like that was my childhood. Uh, so that that that's really cool. Um, but like I mean, in terms of process, I mean, I think the script. I write the script. Um. I don't really have like yeah I, I don't really the, the the only real deadlines I set for myself are when Frankie's done with art um yeah. like at the at this current moment I have about 18 pages of issue 7 nice. uh written um and I know what's going to happen like I know how it works I just haven't gotten around to writing it yet which is uh, great yeah yeah it's okay but, yeah you know um but but you know when uh, Frankie comes back and says like you know oh the book is done like that, I mean, like, ev like everyone says like you know oh you know you gotta you know uh, you know to to be an art true artist you must be completely free of all restraints and it's like not necessarily like yeah. you know th th there are few fewer great motivators than a deadline like uh, deadlines yeah. are the best mo motivation you can yeah. possibly have to get things done and like when you see like you know complete and total creative freedom it, it gets like it, it, it's not it's not un it, like it, it's possible to get something uh, make something good but like it, it's a lot easier when it's like when you have restrictions which it, it seems counterintuitive yeah. but like i mean you remember that video game no man's sky Ooh. Um, yeah, it, it, like it, it was a big thing a couple years ago, and like it promised complete and total uh, exploration, complete and total freedom, and like yep. procedurally generated worlds that, like you know, you would never run out, run out of uh, places to explore, things to sure. do. And yep. then they yep. released the game, and it was crap. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. yep. And 
so but like uh you know the 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 development team like they they realized what happened they put their heads down they locked the doors uh didn't talk to anyone and they fixed it and now it's different because like now they have like you know it's a little more um a little more open like like less like complete and total freedom and more like you know here's stuff to do it's open world so like you know like yeah, like you know, giving yourself, uh, you know, intentionally setting limits for yourself, yep. or like you know, creating within, like, like, like you know, not not uh, tying yourself down, but like building like walls around you, sort of a little bit, and like creating within those walls, um, if that makes any sense. Well, actually, so, me, like, well, yeah, yeah, like when me and Matthew talked, I knew from the beginning. I said. Because coming from working in like, you know, the sense of advertising and other like sort of, you know, studio work and stuff like that, I understood that production time is so important. It is. It's like, I think that many people who, you know, like when people go to movies, I don't know if a lot of people, and I get it because a lot of, a lot of folks don't really, you know, you know, you don't have to care about how the sausage is made. You just want the sausage. You don't need to know about the process. I care about it because I work behind the scenes and that stuff. So, like, I'm one of those people where I'll sit in the theater and I'll watch the credits and I'll get a smile looking at all the people who worked on the movie because those are fellow artisans that that did their thing and, and they're able to make a living from it. It makes it fills me with a joy. But also I understand that there's a reason why production time is needed. Like, someone will watch a movie and they'll see two hours of it, but it took, like, six to maybe six months to a year, possibly, maybe even longer than that, mm-hmm. to get that two hours. And why do we need that time? Because of all kinds of different things. I mean, I mean, yeah. when you when, when you're in the process of creating stuff, things happen. Even in films, many writers, um, script writers, and I've seen it. I've been on sets where the writer will be sitting right there, like they've already done the script, but there may be changes. The director will look over and be like, hey, "I need a change," and they'll have to. They see the writer and they run over. They got to change something instantaneous. These are things that you just, you have no control over. It just happens. And so same thing with comic book production, where I go, give yourself some breathing time for oh, yeah. all kinds of events. First thought in your head, what if somebody gets sick and they need time off? Okay, that could be a week. Could be two weeks. Okay, could be. You don't know. Yeah. Um, what about if we got to make edits? Okay, how long does that take? You know, you 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 have to factor enough time for you just even that time of just mental rest you know you don't want to you don't want to be going so aggressively with your story and where you're just like oh my god i gotta hammer it i gotta get this stuff and whatever and then when it comes out you're like i hate it this isn't what i wanted to write so there's that time too where you you have to allocate where there's a breathing time when I, i remember working on um projects with agency agency projects and they would have already when they called me they had already started working like maybe three or four months already ahead. And then they'll be like, okay, we need the illustrator to come in. So they've already been working on it, like concepting the concept, everything, the ideas. And that's four months, <laughs> four months. And then they say, okay, call Frank or call whoever in the illustrator in to, 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 to do the storyboards or whatever. So <clears throat> I tell anybody out there, if you truly care about your project, give it the time that it needs. Give it the time. If it needs three months, give it three months. If it needs four months, give it four months. Trust me, those months are going to breeze by 
And when you see the final product, you can at least be able to be proud of it. Like that, I've always said that I want to be able to, if somebody, if we're at a show or something, somebody, somebody, um, it has the book in their hand. I want to feel proud about this book. I want to feel that I gave 200%. I don't want to feel like, yeah, I kind of fudged. You know, that's the worst feeling ever. You know, like I won't say it because I'm old school. My teacher was like, never tell. They said, never let them see you cry. Never let you see you. But I'll tell you one thing. I, I don't want to, I ever want to feel something where I'm like, I rushed this and I know it. I'm going, I just gave somebody something that was almost 50% and under, you know, and, and, and I have the audacity to ask them to spend their hard earned money on something where I gave 50% less. I don't want to be that kind of person. I don't want to be that kind of artist. I've seen too many artists. I've seen too many creative teams that are like that. Like they still walk around with a big smile on their face. And it's like, you're asking $25. $50, you know, $10. And it's like, you know, the book's like 15 pages and, you know, and I'm not seeing much of a story. And we've all, you know, I think that's one of the problems that we're seeing today. And I think that it's starting, people are starting to, they're like, we don't want to deal with that anymore because you're seeing so much of it. So many people that are doing this kind of stuff, you know, take the time, work on it. Don't rush it. Don't sit there, have a dream and they go, I'll see a movie and go, oh, my God, I got the next John Wick story. Oh, and then you start rushing off. It's like, no, 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 no. Pace yourself. Pace it. Pace yeah. yourself. Play around with the story in your head. See if you're comfortable with it. Um, if you can find an artist or somebody to work with it, then you find the right artist. That's another important thing. Find the right artist that can work with you. Don't accept anything less, you know. You know, I'm one of those rare people where I like I like doing a bunch of different things. Um, doing the artwork is one aspect, but I love engaging online. I love promoting. Um, it's funny because I, I learned it all from advertising where it was like team. You're, you're like, Frank, you're part of a team, you know. Uh, so there's a creative director. There's the copywriters. There's all these different people. And I'm part of that. And so I wanted to win. I want I want when the client finally gets uh we finally do the pitch for the, the client meeting i want to feel good <laughs> i want to feel great that i was part of it so that when i turn on the tv i go yeah i worked on that commercial you know that's a great feeling so the same thing is that if you're working on a team you, you got to have that team kind of mentality you got to be like hey we're, we're, we're in this we're both if one of us screws up then we both screw up um if we're if we're both moving uh functioning at 200 percent we got 400%. <laughs> you know, it's like, we get, we, this is magic. That it's, it's just a wonderful thing. And I would tell anybody out there, that's, that's the place that you want to be at. Yeah. The, the, the two things I would add to that. Um, and like, as uh, Frankie said, like, you know, what he, you know, he, he learned his artistic craft through advertising. I actually learned a lot of my artistic craft uh, through music. Uh, because ah. at one point I was actually a professional uh, musician. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, college job paid, uh, you know, gave me spending money what, what for college. Was what was your instrument? I was uh, singing in a choir. Um, oh, yeah. Nice. All right. A church yeah, choir yeah. that paid us. Um, yep. And I actually, I actually uh, originally wanted to sing opera when I went to college. Ah. And then I took one semester of music theory. I was like, eh, no. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I switched to history. But like, when uh the, the two things i would add to that um like 
you, you have to love what you do, yes. but at the same time, you can't love it enough that like to become obsessed, obsessed, obsessed yes. over it. You have to yes. be able to uh, let it go. You have yes. to be able to be let, take a step back and say, you know, okay, yes. let's, you know, this isn't necessarily working. Let's just, you know, cut it yes. and throw it, you know, throw it away and like maybe add something new. You mm -hmm. also need to know when to say enough is enough. Because, yep. dear Lord, I have seen so many people who are like – who create something and it's like absolutely amazing. And they're like, yep. well, if I just change this one little thing. Yeah. It's yeah. like they're, oh, we're going to change this. You know, oh, I got to change this little thing. And then yeah. it just turns into mush. Yeah, I agree. And it's I like, agree. come on. Like, you know, you, you know – uh, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's the same with music. It's like, you know, you have your, your string quartet and like, you know, you're not going to add anything else. Sure. Like you don't want to, you know, you, and everything's got to be balanced and like, you know, sure. you got to, you know, take, take things away and like, you know, balance it out a little bit. So, you know, there's that too. Um, no, no, I, to I totally agree with you because it's like, yeah, that my, I mean, when my teacher, as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, they were like, bless it. That's what mm -hmm. my teacher used to call it. I said, Frank, you got to bless it. You know, he said, you, you've done as much as you can. Move on. You'll do better next time. It's, it was always like you'll do better. Right. And that's how I look at it. Like each, each, that's why I go to journey of the book. It's like from issue one, even to from issue zero. Like I look at issue zero and I go, wow, I can tell that the artwork is somewhat a little different than issue where I'm at in issue six. And that's what I want. I want a progression. I want, I want sort of to style. Not, I'm not going to get too radical with it, but you can see little bit progressions. It's almost like if you saw some of John Burns. I remember I saw a book that John Byrne did. Oh, I just remember it having a robot on it. I can't think of the name of the robot, but it was an old John Byrne. And it doesn't, you look at it and you go, wow, that's John Byrne. But then to the point where he was from there, and it was some of his early work to where he's at with Fantastic Four, you know, or the X Men and stuff. I mean, shh. I mean, mouth, but you can see the progression, and I think that that's fantastic. You know, yeah. When I, it's funny because I think about it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 53 this year. It's crazy, and I'm like, man, when I was in my 20s, I was a straight up hustler, man. I didn't. There was no computers for me. I was me knocking on doors. I, I remember doing stuff where like I didn't sleep. Like now, I value my sleep. Like I ain't lying. I'm like, I got to get my sleep. I gotta get at least. Seven to eight hours sleep, man. It's like no, nah, like all that. But boy, when I was in my twenties, oh, I had no sleep, no sleep. But I was doing a bunch of stuff. I was all over the place, party crazy. <laughs> reaped, reaped the, yeah, I, I had some fun times in Boston and New York and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So you, you're you're at a you're at a prime stage. I'm thirty four. Yeah, I'm thirty four. I turned thirty four last month, and I spent my twenties. Busting, can I swear? Go for it. <laughs> I spent my 20s fucking busting my ass and I uh, fucking hated it. I was working yep. seven jobs at one point. Ooh, ooh. Uh, I was getting up. See, at, I didn't want to do that. Yeah, I did that I was, when I was much younger. When I was, I was much getting younger, up at like I was doing that. Yeah. Three in the morning and not getting home until seven at night. And I was like, I, ha I have to change. This has yeah. to, like, I have to move. I have to do something else or else I'm going to wind up in the goddamn hospital. So I think, that's, I think that's why I went to art school. When I went to art school, I was like, I want to, because I grew up, most of my, you know, my family and stuff, you know, they were doing like, uh, you know, construction work, that kind of stuff, things like that. And I was like, I don't want to do that. 
I was like, I want to, as soon as I had these teachers saying I had a, my skill, which was drawing, I said, I want to try to make money drawing. That was it. Like, I wanted to just have a skill that people would pay me to do stuff. And so that I wouldn't have to do multiple. Like, I did all, I, I mean, I started working when I was 12. And I never stopped working. I mean, I would hustle. I was a kid who hustled during snowstorms. Shovel your shovel stuff, make some money. You know, fold newspapers, make money. I was a stock boy. I did uh, landscaping. I did telemarketing. I did, oh my God, I just saw it's a lot of crazy stuff. And then security was probably the one that was the longest that led into my art school years. And that was a defining one. It was like, okay, you either have a choice. You continue with art, take a chance with art, or you just stick with security and then become the next level. Like ideally becoming like a personal guard or something, I guess, armed security. But, you know, I was like, I don't, I said, by my age of where I'm at now, I said, I don't want to be like stressing, doing multiple stuff. I, I, because it wears on you. I'm not going to lie. I can feel it my does. body aging. I can, I can feel my body aging. You know, I'm like, I, you know, and I've had a couple of surgeries and stuff and I'm like, Nah, man, I, I gotta try to chill out. I wanna, you know, I'm maintaining the machine. Like your machine right now, Elijah. You're you're right now. You're that fast car. You know, just you know, the gears are shifting. So you're in a prime state. <laughs> just take care of yourself. That's all I can say. Just yes. try to maintain the machine well, because that's you want to try to make it up to the half century mark. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna start <laughs> feeling your joints pop. Oh you're, yeah, oh, I, I call it I, being I, crunchy. We do. I do. I do like a yoga program with my wife. And stuff and um just stretching like right now i'm just stretching my hips oh it's, it's trying to maintain man <laughs> yeah there there's so right now for the podcast we're doing yep. weekly episodes i yep. have uh issue 9 issue 10 and 11 of the magazine oh. i'm working on oh good i have uh i do one live stream a month so i have to do that um right. Kaiju Ramen's going to All Monsters Attack in May. So oh, yeah, to- yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And we're I'm going with them, so, like, I have to prep for my own trip. Oh, so, like, and, and on top of that, I, I work 50 hours at a management job. Oh, I have no time. I, I sleep from, like, 3 a.m. till, like, 6 a.m. That's my, that's my sleep time. And even yeah. then... There's there's nights anytime I, I record a podcast because my yep. co-host Rex he lives in Australia, so we start our recording at like two two a.m. Wow! And by the time I'm back home, it's eight a.m. and I go to bed well, and I wake up and I go to work. My feeling that hopefully all this work will pay off for you much earlier. So by yeah. hopefully by thirty, it maybe maybe you never know. Like if comment if, if was it ramen kaju ramen. If Kaji Ramen is become successful and stuff like that, hey, you might be retiring by 30. <laughs> you know, hey, you never Indeed. know. See, that's the fun part. I'm gonna tell you right now, one of the things that's blown my mind with um <clears throat> with the internet and about the, the technology and stuff, how it's changed, is that literally I've seen what I call the young folks make careers. I mean, literally, you're seeing kids, well, yeah, I guess kids by my standards, who are like they're buying homes. They're doing all the stuff that I was not doing at that age, which is mind blowing. I mean, I I never was, I wasn't thinking about buying a home or investing in stuff and things like that. I did I, I was I did the stocks a little bit later on, closer to my thirties. But it, I mean, so that's that's the thing. The technology I think helps us if you utilize it right. <laughs> don't go on arguing and getting the flame wars with people. Don't 
don't waste your time with that. Focus, 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 and use use it as a tool to get your message out. You might be able to make something. You might it'd be fantastic to be like, hey, 30 years old, I'm retired. Or 30 years old, I'm at a place where this is what I want to do. So you're not like doing five jobs and stuff. You're like, now nah, I've, I've condensed it down to like maybe two, two right. things I do now. Now I can sleep now on you know, at least <laughs> on the weekends. You know, so you, I, I look at it like that. Like you, you have to go through all that stuff just to maybe get to the point where you can be like, you know, whatever. And I, I, I I'm, I'm with you, brother. I'm rooting for you. You're gonna Thank be you. fine, Elijah. You're <laughs> well, gonna, you're gonna I be mean, great. I mean, I remember when you guys first did. I mean, Kaji Ramen when it first started uh, promoting uh, on Twitter. The first one I saw was Twitter. That was only like what 2020. Yeah, yeah, 20... yeah. It was 2020. I think it popped. I was like, what is this thing? And um, yeah, and I think didn't Matt Frank? He did some art. He did like a ramen kind of thing with Godzilla or something. Uh, Pikachu, he did. Or, not Pikachu. It was something. I know it was some character dressed like Godzilla. But I was like, wow. I said, that's that's pretty impressive. You know, so you guys, you, you definitely have done some steps. Um, smart. Um, you, you definitely have um, invested the time into it. You know, and I think that if you have a serious, if you're seriously minded about it, sky's the limits. Yeah. You know? I know. Uh, yeah. I, so... I posted on my Facebook, my personal Facebook, like I mm -hmm. work for Kaiju Ramen. Yep. And a person I had met at G-Fest uh, yep. like half a decade ago. I was like 15 yeah. when I met him. And we, we ended up friends on Facebook. He reached out to me after he saw that I, I wrote for this magazine. And he said, hey, I've got a book that I'm working on. And yeah. I was wondering if you'd like to work on it. So I oh, did wow. that. I wrote a review for uh, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. Oh, nice, and, nice. And I think I so remember that book, yeah. I did that back in 2021. And it just okay. came out uh, a few months ago. And then I woke up like a month ago. I woke up yeah. and I had messaged. I had like 10 messages. It's like, what happened? What did I do? Who died? Like, what? what's going on? And Whoa. it got nominated for a rondo. Oh wow! Congratulations. So, I nice. I woke up and I was a Rondo Award nominated writer. Nice. And I was like, fantastic. I would have never expected that. Like, well, but see, another thing, thing another big thing that that um that I think is important is that you 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 took a chance, and that's the thing a lot of people have to understand is that to get into this kind of business, any kind of business really, you got to take a leap of faith. I think that I, I I look back at me and Matthew's relationship, and Matthew took a leap of faith with me. I mean, he had put out a, a, a call for looking for an artist, and I could have ended up being some some well, say a stummy artist who would try to take him for you know take him for whatever. You know, I, I've you had know, a few yeah. of those. I know you, and I've heard this. I, it just breaks my heart to hear stories like that because it's just sad. It's just sad. I don't. It's like the contractors. Like when I was a homeowner at one point, I was a homeowner and I would hear these horror stories about contractors. They were like, beware, because you, you you pay this person half up. Next thing you know, you can't find them. And it's sad that people do this kind of stuff. And so, you know, when when me and Matthew, we, you know, we, we had met up, we, we connected. Um, pretty much I, I was trying to tell him, I said, look, man, I said, check me out. I said, I'm on LinkedIn. If you feel free, if you want to talk to some of those people, contact them. You know, I'm I'm the real deal. <laughs> I'm not somebody up here that's gonna flake on you. 
You know? I, mean, I mean, sort of a behind the scenes from my perspective, um, like when, so the, the first thing that Frankie and I uh, ever worked on was a web comic that I had, uh, I was, I wanted to do called the secret lives of villains. Yes. Um, it's, it's a, it's a sitcom about a family of supervillains. You can find it. It's still up. Um, it has fallen by the wayside for reasons. Um, but it's on uh, cambriancomics.com if you ever want to check that out. Um, but I had had this idea for a webcomic. But before that, I had had this other idea for a um, – it was like Star Wars with mech suits, uh, basically. Oh, wow. And I, I had put out a call for that. And I was perusing uh, uh, perusing artists. It was a website called Freelance. I was like, you know, oh, that one looks good. That one looks good. And then I saw Frankie's. I was like, oh, I want I, him, him. I, I, I want him. Wow. I, I, I hope I hope he shows some interest in this. And he didn't. And I was like, drat. But I found another artist who actually wound up flaking on me. And uh... then, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, well, okay, you know, start again, try again. Uh, let's let's see what we can do with the webcomic. And then he responded, and the rest yeah. is history. So that's how that happened. Yeah, I've, I've had people, sometimes I've always felt that sometimes people get, um, I don't know, they get intimidated. Like they're afraid to ask. And one of the things about me is that, um, you know, especially working in the fields that, I, that I've worked, is that um, there's the art of the no negotiation. You know, it's about like, if at least if you just ask the person. I mean, one of my teachers, he, he sort of, put it in my head. He said, Frank, he said, he said you'll never know um, what something is unless you ask. And they're fine. If a person doesn't, you know, if they don't agree, then they don't agree. And then you move on. But what if they do? Then, you know, whatever. And so I, I started getting into that mindset where I'm like, look, I'll, I'll talk to you. You know, if it's something that seems reasonable and it's something that I can get jazzed about, then we'll, we can work through things. But we got to get to the point where we can talk. And I think that's the biggest thing um, that I think that a lot of people uh, struggle with is communication. I mean, real communication. You know, the fact of when you're on a project and you, you, you talk to the person or uh, if you can't do the project. I mean, um, I've, I've had to turn down a lot of different things. You know, actually, it's funny because just because of my workload, I'll tell you guys uh, and I'll tell you, Matthew, too. Uh, I, I just got, I had, I, well, I had somebody approach me to do storyboards for, uh, the new Good Burger movie. And, um, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm swamp of work. And it was nice. I mean, it's going to be filmed here in Rhode Island, the new Good Burger, Good Burger 2. And, um, I said, I, I did the person contact me and I was graciously, I stepped, I stepped aside. I said, look, I said, I said, I said, you know, cause I understand that to do, um, storyboards, especially for a film, working with a director is really intense, and um, and they were like, "Well, we need, we're gonna need a, a a storyboard artist like next month," and I was like, "That's gonna be too intense. That's gonna be something where I won't be able to work. I won't be able to do any." And I got a couple other projects going on, and I said, "You know, I I, I got to step away from it." But I said, "You know, hey, if, if things whatever down the line." You know, maybe we can we can continue this or whatever. And they said, "Oh, thank you, thank you for returning." And and that's that's the thing you talk. But there's many times that I've you'll be surprised at stuff that I've turned down that just because I was like I, I believe in that sense of loyalty uh, on projects. I'm, I'm maybe that's an old school kind of way, but um, you know, I, I I've I've made um, some agreements with folks, and um, and and I've made a promise with Matthew, 
And so things get done. In my mind, I'm like, things have to get done. These are very important to me. So that's that's the kind of person that I am. I'm, I'm very old school with that. I believe that if I shake your hand, look you in the eyes, we got a deal. <laughs> you know, I don't believe in that whole flaking out. I don't believe in not communicating with people. If we if we um, if we're doing emails or texts and things seem a little screwed, I'm getting on the horn with you. I'm going to talk to you. You need to hear my voice. I need to hear your voice. You need to understand that we're both human beings. I, you know, that we're that we're both maybe something could be figured out or whatever. Those those are important things. And um, and I always try to tell any person out there, you know, the young folks who are getting into this or whatever. Um, I say, look, don't be afraid. I know, I know if you're grappling with 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 certain issues and stuff like that, and you're kind of like, I don't want it. Just take a chance, take that leap of faith. You know, the worst can happen. Someone could say no, fine, they say no. You know, yeah. you move on. The worst another thing another big thing. No. One last thing, and I, and I promise I'll get the ears back because I remember my um teacher once said he said, and this is this is like a, a you know, one that you probably heard a thousand times. One door opens, five door more. One door closes, five more open. My teacher once said, he kept saying that to me. He said, Frank, he said, that's how the universe works. He said, you have nothing to worry about. He said, people sometimes think of the world as small little tribes or small little neighborhoods, but we're not. It's a global world. Like right now, I'm talking to you, you two, and you're both in certain areas of the country, you know? That, and, I, and I've dealt with people across across the sea. So it's like your mindset has to change in, in a degree of like, well, this is these are the only things I can I can reach. No, you can reach more. You know, I've done it. I've even done it even before the computers, getting on phones, talking to people like in England and stuff like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. You know, so I'm like, talking to somebody on the West Coast, doing work with them. You know, so. That's an important thing too. Don't ever think limited. Yeah, don't ever don't limit yourself. Don't think that the world is just a small little thing with just you in this little area. It's very vast. It's all about using the technology, using these tools that you have for what they're meant to be used for. You know, connecting with clients, connecting with new people, connecting with your audience, talk with them, engage with them, you know, all that fun stuff. Yeah. So Going, we've been talking about creativity mm -hmm. and how to not limit yourself. So, on the topic of kaiju versus cowboys, what inspired you to make the designs or make the characters? Oh, what, <laughs> what, 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 oh. what birthed what we have now? Oh, you're gonna love this one. I, I can tell you for the main character, Bwin, our little buddy right here. Uh, when I when Matthew first told me about the idea of he said a robot and a cowboy, I said okay. I the, I saw three images because usually I've learned over the years, it, it's it's almost instantaneous with me where it's like thoughts are just I get these rapid thoughts in my head and I just immediately I go okay I got to draw it out. I I saw three images in my head in my mind. One was Clint Eastwood clearly. It was Clint Eastwood, the man with no name. But then the second was Jet Jaguar. I love Jet Jaguar from the show era. And I said, that face, that face. I said, I see it. I see Jet Jaguar. But then I said, I don't wanna, I don't want to create or emulate or copy Jet Jaguar. And then the final one was Machine Man, Jack Kirby's Machine Man. Um, because I was like, there's there's a level of personality that goes with being uh, uh B1, excuse me, 
And so um, that's why I started working. I started working off the design. And then I, the final thing was I said, well, I got dreadlocks. Um, I want to give them sort of like dreadlocks. I thought it'd be the coolest thing with a, a cowboy with a duster and then his hair is kind of moving. Because the thing about it is that his um, dreadlocks, um, he's actually able to use them as, um, think of Medusa. So they actually move on their own, kind of. That's another little thing. Like, I, I don't know if people will get it, but eventually they will. But they actually move on their own. So it's like, it's, it'd be kind of freaky to see these things kind of moving. Like, if he's like standing there, they slowly are moving and stuff. Like, you see a little movement and stuff. But they, he uses them to sort of, you know, hardwire into other robots. He also can use them as a weapon, too. So, I mean, you know, but but I thought that, you know, adding the dreadlocks to it was a little little touch on there. And, and then finally, all those components came together. And I was able to create this one character, D-Wood, from that. I love that. How about oh, yeah, the I, kaiju? I, the kaiju are just, well, see, I know Matt's, Matt's going to kill me. I'm, I'm going to loosely say that before Kaijus and Cowboys, me and Matt did, um, uh, I think, two short stories and an anthology book called It Came Out on a Wednesday, published by Alterna Comics. And um, and in that that those stories, it was uh, the books were called Team KS1. So it was Team KS-1. And the idea was that they were human beings with um, sort of um, exoskeleton suits, and they battled kajus that were on Earth. And I, when I started designing those characters, I was like, okay, I, I, I looked at various different designs and stuff. And, you know, I think that it's tough for people who, if we like Kaijus, because we've been so influenced by Godzilla. We, I mean, yeah, most of people feel like they haven't. We have, because we've seen so many Godzilla movies, King Kong, Gamera. But I really, I, I broke open some of my dinosaur books and started looking at dinosaurs and stuff. And then I said, okay, um, I like some of those designs and, and just regular creatures. But then, um, I wanted to give them a specific kind of design that would be their own. And, and um, I think people start noticing it. It's in the eyes. Uh, many of the kajus in um, kajus and, and kajus and cowboy, they tend to have two to three eyes inside their sockets. And so that was like something that I started off in Team KS1. Um, and we're sort of building off of that. One of the things that I like that Matthew, I I had a talk with Matthew. And I said, Matthew, I said, another uh, sort of man well, manga anime that I love was uh, Mazinga Z. And um, Mazinga Z, one of the things I, I admired about it was that Gonage, uh, I hope I say his name right. Everybody says so different. Gonage, Gonaga. Yeah, Gonage. Um, okay. Um, so one of the things I love was that how he... Um, he utilized every character, like every character um, had almost a presence to them, even the bad characters, like the robots. Like he'll be like, this is Robot X9. Like he gave a name to this machine beast. I think that's what they called him, Iron Beast or Machine Beast. And then this Machine Beast or whatever would fight against Mazinger. And I was like, that is the coolest thing ever because nothing's wasted. So, um, in doing the kajus and kajus and cowboys, uh, Matthew just goes simple. Like when he sends me a script, he'll be like, um, "Rhino kaju, kaju, uh, ape kaju." <laughs> you know, he keeps it very simple. But then I build off of that, and but it helps me because then I know that he's thinking of a, a, a certain kind of uh, animal or something, and then I'm able to build off of that and use some of those attributes. 
to to build up my own uh version of the kaiju so if he says um uh bat uh, a bat flying bat kaiju then i'll say okay cool i can build something from that so um he's done a good job one uh, one idea and i'll probably shoot it with him later on is that it'd be kind of cool to see if there's ever a character who go, goes around and actually starts giving names to these species just a thought just a thought i don't know you know we, we always think of crazy stuff but i said that'd be kind of cool if there was a someone to go around and just be like so like a you know crypto uh, cryptozoologist or something and just like all right cardiologist and he's and he's a robot and he's like okay we're gonna start giving names to these creatures but we're not there at that point this point they're just pretty much these creatures are they're given a designation of what their species is how does kaiju versus cowboys differentiate from your past work together Ooh. we kind of, we kind of had some uh, yeah, um, that's, that's, in, in, in secret life hmm. well in, in the secret lives of villains um you kind of was hinting in there with stuff i mean we, we had the giant robots i know that there was a mecca a giant a giant mech in there in one of the stories yeah right? i mean yeah, I think, the, yeah, the, so you were kind of hinting on it yeah but it is different it i mean and we have over like 400 we have like over 400 strips written so like oh, there's yeah, a lot yeah. there's a lot in there it was but a like, lot. I mean, it was like a lot. yeah like like the i mean kaiju cowboys like i i i wrote it because i knew of frankie's love of kaiju and like giant monster stuff. And I wanted to make something that, you know, he would want to draw like, um, so like, I mean, I wouldn't say there's any real difference between, you know, this and what we've done. Cause like, it's, it's really, um, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big believer in like, uh, like the the life of the artist is integral to the story. Uh, that 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 gets into like really deep like postmodern philosophy. But like, yeah. um, but like if 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 we if if we were to contextualize like Kaijus and cowboys in the within the bounds of uh, the relationship that Frankie and I have been building over the past couple of years, like I mean, this is probably the most in sync we've been yes. uh, if that makes any sense i agree like I agree. you know yes like yeah it, it's like you know you know i i write what uh, uh what i think frankie would like to draw and like you know frankie takes that and like you know turns out some absolutely amazing work and like sends it back to me and like you know uh like i'll i'll, I'll make some changes to like the dialogue to make yeah. it fit the page or like yeah. you know i'll, I'll modify it a little bit but they, like not I, I don't really modify like my original script uh all that much from what uh frankie does so it's like yeah it, it, I started, I it's think two I started guys doing notes you know with you. i started doing notes with you like I, yeah this is how intense yeah. it is where i i'll literally write out like i don't know how many artists does this but i'll do my thumbnails and they're pretty tight but and then i'll write i'll, I'll try to explain why i did what i did as as i'll send i'll send matt uh this this page of like my just my notes on each panel on everything that's like that i actually i've I've chilled like from the very i noticed that when the first time i did it i literally was breaking down like panel one so i was like oh my god that's a lot so now it's like i'll I'll literally just write a little like synopsis small little synopsis of what my ideas are and whatever it's just to to give him an explanation so he's not out trying to guess like mm, why did he do that or why such and such and whatever and so and then and then he'll look at it and then if he does have some kind of edit or something 
they're pretty good. There's like stuff where you go like, oh, something I missed, and like, okay, okay, cool. I can go back and make some edits. Yeah. So we are, we are, we. I agree with you. We are totally in sync with it. It's it's fantastic. Gotcha. So okay, well, since you guys are so in sync, I'm curious to see if you have the same answer here or not. All right. Uh oh. What? Probably Who's not. Your... Do you have a favorite character so far? Oh, in the book? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, oh, okay. So did you do we just blurt it out or oh oh we lost Matt? Matt again. All right. I, I guess I guess for me, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually shoot for and, and the newest character that's gonna pop that's popping up in there. Cause I think, yeah, he was introduced in issue one is Doc. Doc, Doc was this character who, um, well, Matthew, and I, and I have so many original drawings. When Matthew first mentioned, he said, he said, well, he said, Frank, um, uh, B-Win's going to be with this guy who's going to be um, like a medical, a medical robot. And I said, oh, a medical robot. So when I first drew him, I drew him really big, massive, bulky, that kind of thing. And he's like, no, 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 he's going to be, you know, he's just, you know, whatever. And, and, and Matthew was saying sort of like a kid. He was pushing for a kid, but I was like, I don't see him as a kid. We went, we went back and forth where I was like, and, and mind you, this is after I watched the Clone Wars. And, and I'll give some context. Now, I personally grew up with Star Trek. I wouldn't say I'm a Trekkie, but, you know, hey, I'll, I'll show respect where respect's due. I, I, I love Star Trek. You know, I grew up with it. Now, my wife, Jess, she loves Star Wars. I love Star Wars as well, too. But I never was like one of those people that's hardcore about Star Wars. Um, I remember owning an R2D2, like little remote control robot, just because he's a robot. I was in that phase where I just, I love robots and I thought R2D2 and C3PO were really cool. But I never really understood how cool R2D2 was <laughs> until I was watching The Clone Wars. When it when I I find like we we were sitting down watching, I said, ah, you know, because for years I just because I was busy and whatever. And I said, okay, we're gonna sit down and we watched it. And just seeing how capable RDD2 is, it just it the 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 the, the gears in my head started spinning. And I said, okay, I came back and I started working on a doc, the doc I did. And now a movie I love was Tombstone with um uh you know I'm gonna say ah. Uh, like Isn't Kurt Russell in that? Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer. Yes, and yes. Val, and Val Kilmer played Doc Holliday. Oh, I love it. And immediately I thought of Doc Holliday. I said, okay. I said, here's the thing. I said, I, I said, Matt, I see this character. I said, he cannot be a kid. And I remember we went back and forth because Val was like, oh, but kids are going to read the book. I said, no, no, no. We don't need kids. <laughs> we, don't need, we, we, we don't need kids to be to, to pitch the kids. I said, hold on for a second. I said, this is going to be, this character is like, he, he he's like um, a much older character. I'm gonna put like a sort of mustache design on him, but he's gonna be very capable, and he's gonna be almost like a he's gonna be more of a partner to be with. He's not gonna be like the little sidekick and he pats him on the head kind of thing. I said I see this character like an R D T two R R two D two, and maybe a little bit of Fantastic Four Herbie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I said overall he's gonna be very capable. He's gonna be the kind of character that um I think people are going to connect with um because he's almost like the heart of this 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 thing that they have. Um and I said and I, I said let me just let me just draw him out and, and, and I'll and I'll you know and then you can see it and then we'll go from there. 
And I did. I drew the character out, and uh, and 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 he's like, I dig it, Frank. And so we we got Doc. So yeah, it turns out we're not all that in sync. Um, because my 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 personal favorite character is Bwin, the bot with no name. Yeah. Um, there you go. And like, th- there's. And admittedly, this is not Frank. This is this is my fault because uh, the the way I have it planned is that there are revelations in store that uh, are coming in like the later issues, um, and like yeah, yes, yes, Doc is capable, and he doesn't throw down, but he's integral. He is very integral to the plot, uh, but there are uh, bits of character development uh, with the bot with no name that I kind of like. So I feel like we might want to start wrapping things up here. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. With, with Matt's uh, technical difficulties. Um, So I just have a few more questions. Sure. Um, And I could probably loop them into a bit less than just a few. Um, sure. so where can people find the work for Kaiju and Cowboys? Where, where can they find that stuff? Well, at this time, we, we actually, the only place that we do have, um, is our Twitter account and it's Kaiju's and Cowboys on Twitter. Um, we have talked about it and I think that's one of the things about it is that, um, we, you know, we've talked about the idea of getting a website, but then we're looking at cost. And stuff like that. Um, one idea that we're, that we're, that we're really um, thinking strongly about is is possibly getting on the platform Global Comics and have an avenue on there. So definitely, we're going to make a decision before the end of this year, mm-hmm. and I can I can safely say that. So 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 we we definitely are going to find some formal platform where people can go and actually be able to get the books and the content. Yeah. You know? Okay. And uh, have you had any chat like? So besides what you just said, is there any other challenges you've had with distribution and like just getting the word out? Um, I've been pretty good. My thing, the thing about me is that, um, I, I, you know, years of working in advertising, I'm a huge fan of guerrilla marketing. (laughs) I mean, just to give it, and I'm going to be very, very, very quick with it. But originally I did, um, a comic book with, uh, well, it wasn't, it was a graphic novel. Uh, with a, 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 a friend of mine named James Biggie. And we did Robot God Akamatsu. And that was back in 2012. And we came out like gangbuster. I mean, people, we were doing interviews like across the sea. Everybody loved it. It was a super, it was a homage to, again, the Shogun Warriors, Super Robots. We came out at a great time. The only problem was that when me and James, me and James both worked in advertising. He was doing, gra- he was a graphic artist, art director. And, um, and I think that we we didn't have the passion um, that well we did have passion but we didn't have what we like like what me and Matthew had where at the time too I was doing I was still had a foot in advertising so when I when I did the comic book when we did the the graphic novel um, it was more like we, we were just having fun with it and then finally when we put it out there people really showed a lot of interest and then a publisher picked us up. And then, and then we were like, oh, wow. So it happened really quick. It was very rapid. And um, the thing was, was that we just didn't have the mindset to maintain um, or to continue it. And, um, and unfortunately, 
when when people wanted more, we just didn't we weren't able to produce more. And I think that's that's something that I learned from that process of Robot God Akamasu of how like we didn't have a production schedule. Um we didn't so so we we didn't even plan. We you know we did the we did the graphic novel and um and it was just like people were like, well, what else is gonna happen? And when, when James had wrote it, it was very it was left open. And so you know, when I, it took me like maybe two years to do the artwork, I think, off and on for 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 that book. And it was just like, whoa, so were you guys gonna wait another two years? That kind of thing. So it, it was definitely a learning lesson. So um I don't know. I think I think now um I, I think that for me, I learned from from uh doing Robokamasu about preemptive uh guerrilla marketing. Uh, and that means that say six, maybe even seven to eight months ahead, I'm already talking about, you know, about codges and cowboys. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll tell anybody that you should you should be talking about what your um your comic book is or your product like months and months in, in advance, just so that it's sitting in the psyche of people. That's what guerrilla marketing is about. It's about going out there and you paint an image like a Andre the Giant, <laughs> the picture of Andre the Giant on a wall or on a little poster. I remember seeing those. They were they were amazing. That that marketing camp. Whoever did that, and they they did these stickers of Andre the Giant, and then they plastered it all over the place in Boston, Cambridge, all over. And people were like, "Who who's doing this?" And it was this amazing marketing stunt because it got the attention of people. And um and and that's kind of like what I do. I just go out there and I just post, post, post. You know, and I post other stuff too, um, but I but I really focus on getting that information out as early as possible, so that when the time comes for the crowdfunding, then we have people, we have the results that we're having even now. Right. Okay. So speaking of crowdfunding, where can people support this amazing idea? Oh, we're currently on Kickstarter right now. We're day well, day one and a half. <laughs> Yeah, we just started uh, uh, yesterday. We started yesterday, so we're not even barely into the into two days, <laughs> and um, the campaign is going pretty strong. So we're on Kickstarter right now, Kajus and Cowboys. Okay, and so I just have a few things left here. I keep sure, saying no that problem. not um, a problem. So my first one, and this was from my co-host Rex. He was really curious about this question. Uh, if Kaiju and Cowboys continues to be successful, is there any possibility of something outside of a comic book? Oh, man. I mean, it's it's nice, you know, as someone who's worked in animation as well as film. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice. I think the thing about it, though, that um, most people need to know that once you enter into those arenas of, say, animation and dealing with studios and as, as film, too, um, that's a situation where you know you you know you really don't have any power you know and you and you got to be okay with that and so it would be one of those things where like if if somebody came along and they said well all right um we're gonna offer you some money and hopefully a nice chunk of change um most likely me and matthew would say probably yes um and say go ahead you know you do your thing but then we would control still doing the comic books we would be satisfied in the fact of doing the comic books and using um, whatever publicity we can from whatever is being made, be it live action or animated, 
as as a as a as a way to help keep the the brand growing from there. But it's the understanding that um that again we're, we're, we're we have an infant what I call the infant IP. So studios, if anything, if they were to try to license it from us or option it, excuse me, um, they would just give us a certain amount of money and be like, you know, they may shelve it, <laughs> hold it for a little bit, and then whatever. So. Yeah, it would be nice. I, I wouldn't say it's bad. I, it would be nice. I actually would love to see it more. Um, you ever see that show Love Rockets in Love or oh, what is it called? Love, love Robots. Love in Death. Right? Is that it on Netflix? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, lo I love how they do the different stuff on there. Um, Animation-wise, ah, God, CG would be nice if it was CGI'd and, or... Um, or if um it was yeah, what's his name? He did primal. I love that style. Oh uh, uh, uh I can't never say his name. Skurt Krasinski uh, or something. Yeah, he did he did symbiotic titan. And um I that style, I love that style. So it'd be kind of cool to see if um Kajin Cowboys could be in that kind of style or something. That that'd be nice. Yeah. And then so I got two things left. Do you have any advice for young creators that are wanting to create their own content? It's a balance between uh, being obsessed and knowing when to give up and try something else. Um, like, because I'm speaking as someone who is, you know, who thought of himself, thinks of himself as a creative person uh, but also as someone who did not, uh, you know, come, who was not like, you know, born into creative industries and who did not live the life of a creative person for a very long time. Um, I have like, you know, my, my, my entire life has been marked by uh, I uh, trying to get things off the ground and failing uh, um, partially out of bad luck, but mostly because I didn't, you know, one, I, I uh, partially because I didn't, uh, I, I had bad luck, but also because I didn't want to, you know, uh, keep going. I, I gave up. Um, but at the same time, like you have to recognize when you know something's not working. You have to be like, you know, it's okay, let it go. Well, I guess I mean my my take on it would be, um, I've always believed, you know, take chances. Don't be afraid. You know, I think many times I'm seeing a lot, way too many creators overthink the process. You know, I, I you know, my first creator-owned comic book was Peace. It was a book that I did called Peace on newsprint. I still have some copies. And um, it was back in 1991. And I took a chance. I took a gamble. And I think the thing about it is that um, you got to be a risk taker, you know, and you, you can't be afraid. It's uh the thing about art, I think that um, if you're trying to if you if you're trying to compare your artwork or your book to other books out there that are, that have been around or people that have been around, like say like me, like thirty plus years or whatever, or or even in the comic book industry, um, then yeah, you're gonna give yourself a, a headache that you don't need. Stop comparing yourself. Believe in yourself. Um, just do it. You know, people have to understand that. Um, to, to me, the true essence of comic books is really underground and indie. You know, the mainstream exists, yes, but I, I love the underground comic books. I love that. Um, what was the other one? Outlaw comic books. I love 
the stuff that has some grit to it. Um, zines. Um, I remember I still have zines where people just hand lettered, literally hand lettered balloons. It, you know, the words are so tiny, you can't even read, you know, you're struggling to read it, but they did their comics. It's almost like when you see the people do the 24 hour comics and they just, you know, they bang them out and stuff. It's just, you gotta do it. Don't overthink it. Just do it, you know, and put it out, you know, put it, if you have to fold it, fold the paper and, and whatever, get that out of your system. And then, so, so, so it's actually brought into the real world so you can look at it. That's the first step. The first of many steps, you know. So yeah, there you go. Just you, you got you got to be out there. Don't be afraid. I love that. Okay, so to wrap things up here. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? If not, go ahead no. and selfish, self, shameless self promotion. <laughs> oh man, I think I think I've already said so much. I guess for me, I'm just gonna say I I am. See, I don't have the copy yet for issue two, but these are the first. We, we already got two issues. This one is what was the very first one that came out. It was a teaser. Uh, no, like a teaser trailer. It came out in 2021. We only offered it on that first Kickstarter campaign, and, and no more have been issued out. And then this is the one that we brought out last year, and that's issue one. So this is the one that starts everything. And then the campaign that we have now on Kickstarter has this one. Um, as well as issue two. So for the folks who might have missed last year, they get a chance to get this. Um, I'm just grateful. I, I, I'm grateful that there are people who uh, are enjoying um, what me and Matt are doing. I'm honored by it. I'm humble. I, I'm not, I don't just say that just to say it. Um, it is a very humbling thing because there's a part of me where I sit there and I go, you know, there's thousands of artists out there. There's thousands of writers out there. You don't have to look at my work. You choose to. And and that's that's a very powerful thing. Um, I don't take it lightly. Uh, and, and I'm very grateful that um, anyone comes by and takes the time to, you know, to check out what I got and to comment and, um, and share their thoughts and their dreams and, you know, and, and, and pick up the stuff from me, whatever. I'm, I'm just, I'm very, very honored by that. And um, I just want you to know that. I think that it's okay uh, for people to be humbled um, by stuff. You know, I, I've never been a person who walked around with a sense of bravado about what I did. And, and my when I talk about my career and the things that I did, I'm very honored that I did them. Sometimes I have to pinch myself because I can't believe I was in these various situations and got to meet so, so many incredible people um, but, I, but I'm always been a person who's very, very close to earth, you know, and I, and that's something that I, I think I'm always going to be, I never want to be a kind of person where I can't, um, I see myself somehow above other people. I'm not like that. I love talking to different people. I love sharing. I love learning. Um, so I guess that's the only thing I, I mean, I can't, I, I, I'm just, I can only give you the truth and I like to keep it real. So anyway, um, if if you if you want to uh, join the ride, then come along and ride with us. Become another writer on the Cadges and Cowboys Kickstarter campaign. This whole experience has been amazing. It's been wonderful. It's been uh, an absolute treat that I wouldn't uh, that that I wouldn't I wouldn't exchange for anything else in the world. Um, 
I have like I've been in uh like Frankie's had his own journey. I've embarked on my own personal artistic and creative journey that uh I I never thought I would do and I never thought I I never thought I would be here. Um doing this, talking to talking to amazing people and making uh some amazing stuff and getting to see all this amazing artwork. Um and you know it, I know it sounds cliche, but if I can do it, you can do it. And uh, thank you so much for uh, getting involved. Thank you so much for checking us out. Thank you so much for helping us to get to a point where we can do this professionally. And let's work towards making this work we can make. And with that, we have concluded the interview with Frankie B. Washington and Matthew Blair. A huge thanks to them for reaching out, asking if we could interview them, and giving us the opportunity to interview them. So please go check out all of their work. I will leave a link in the show notes below to check out their Kickstarter. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here with the typical podcast sign-off by myself. Hi, my name's Elijah. If you want to find me, you can find me on YouTube at ET13Productions, on Instagram at ET13Productions, or on Twitter at ET13Productions. If you want to find my personal socials, it's not difficult, but I'm not going to link them here. As for Rex, find him on YouTube at RexZeno, on Twitter at Rex underscore Xenomorph, or on Instagram at Rex underscore Xeno. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. As always, don't forget to rate us on iTunes that boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I don't kind of, that's a lie actually, I use a MacBook to do this podcast, you can rate us on Spotify. If you want to stay up to date with all things Kaiju Conversation related, follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook. If you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media, lucky you, you can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And as always, we'll read your reviews on air for everyone to hear. We also have a Teespring store. Eventually we'll have original artwork on there, but until then you can sport our awesome logo on a t-shirt or maybe even a coffee mug. If you'd like to chat with us, check out our Discord server full of others that have similar interests to you. It's a great community full of great people. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload a video. We sometimes post exclusives to the channel like bloopers for episodes or minisodes talking about news or other subjects. We also have an interview with Mechagodzilla designer Kirchaveski on the channel. I definitely butchered his name. I apologize. And a huge thanks to Rex for editing all these episodes, except for this one I did most of the editing. So I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back for that one. And all the other content we upload, his links can be found in the show notes below. Along with Rex, we'd like to give a huge thanks and shout out to Danny DeManna of the Godzilla Novelization Project for his amazing vocals on our theme song. You can support him by following him on Twitter at Danzilla93 underscore GNP or visit his website, GodzillaNovelizationProject.com. 
And a huge thanks to Grattan Conwell from the podcast Giant Monster BS for composing the music for our theme song. You can support him by following the podcast on Twitter at GiantMonsterBS or on any podcast platform under the name Giant Monster BS. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. So thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. We are set. We are in debt. There's nothing to sweat. Life's too short now, baby. Some wrecks now.